0: Well, good evening, let's try that again, good evening guys, hey Merry Christmas, glad you all are with us here for our Christmas Eve service, if you have a Bible and you brought it, why don't you grab it at this point in time, and if you didn't, don't worry, there should be plenty of Bibles scattered in the pew backs in front of you, And so grab one of those Bibles and if you will, let's turn to Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2 if you will, and uh, we'll begin in verse 4, Luke chapter 2 beginning in verse 4. And while you're doing that, I'm going to ask that uh, you would bow with me for a word of prayer, please. Father, what a privilege it is for us to be reminded um, this evening of the significance that you have sent us a Savior. And we are so grateful for what he has done for us that uh, starlit night, that the King of Israel has come, the Savior of the world, was born in Bethlehem that night to save us from our sins, to open heaven's gates, So that we could go if we have faith and trust in his sacrifice for our sins. Father, be pleased to illumine our hearts and minds as we turn once again to this familiar story of the birth of Christ. I pray that you would cause our hearts to well up in worship of you even more. And that you would give us eyes to see this story afresh. And I pray, Father, if there is a man or a woman or a boy or a girl and they do not know Jesus Christ personally as their savior... That they would not leave tonight without knowing Him and trusting in His shed blood and resurrection. We ask it in the name of Jesus. And God's people said together, Amen. Well, there was a, a brother and sister, and uh, one afternoon they had gotten home from church and uh, they were inspired by the singing of the carols, and so they began to sing their favorite Christmas carols. And the young man uh, was singing Silent Night. And so he he concluded Silent Night with the words, Sleep in heavenly beans. And his sister looked at him and said, No, that's not what it says. It's it's not sleep in heavenly beans. No, no. It goes like this. Sleep in heavenly peas. (laughs) Well, we have been in a December... Christmas sermon series entitled The Gospel According to Christmas Carols and we have been taking a closer look at the lyrics of some of our most beloved Christmas carols in order to mine out uh, the rich and deep biblical the- and theological truths found in our favorite Christmas carols. And so tonight we come to what might be the most popular, the most well-known and the most beloved Christmas carol of all times and of course we speak of Silent Night. It's hard to really overstate the impact that this Christmas carol has had on the church and the world at large. Today Silent Night is perhaps the most famous of all Christmas carols. In fact, it is so popular worldwide that this carol has been translated into roughly 140 languages. In fact, uh, the famous singer Bing Crosby, his, his version of Silent Night is the third best-selling uh, musical single of all time. And so we come tonight to a wonderful carol, Silent Night. And we'll take a look at the three original verses of Silent Night, starting with verse 1. So if you'll follow along on the screen behind me, let's take a look at verse 1. It reads this way, Silent Night... Holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Round yon virgin mother and child, holy infant so tender and mild. Sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly peace. Well, the carol begins with really a beautiful portrait of the stillness and the calmness and the holiness that surrounded Mary, hence round yon virgin, and the Christ child, On the night of his birth. It's worth noting that in the opening verse of this carol, the song affirms what the Scripture declares, and that is the supernatural origins of the birth of Jesus. See, he had no human father, for God was his heavenly father. The scriptures uh, teach that he was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born to the, mer- uh, to the Virgin Mary. See, this was, this was no ordinary conception because, well, this was no ordinary child. This was the God-child who would, of course, grow up to be the God-man. To be the God-man. And so rightly then, the fourth line identifies Jesus as a holy infant. Tender and mild, as most babies are, of course. And it, in a sense, sings a a heavenly lullaby, right? Sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. I think verse 1 is inspired from the writings of Luke. Luke chapter 2, verses 4 through 7, to be exact. Let's read the scripture together. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And so in verse 1... We get this beautiful lullaby to the newborn babe who is indeed holy for he is none other than God. In verse 2, the carol sort of shifts scenes, if you will, from the Bethlehem stable to the shepherds' fields in the nearby Bethlehem region as the shepherds quake for fear at the sight of the heavenly host announcing the birth of our Savior. And so verse 2 reads this way, silent night, holy night, shepherds quake at the sight. Glories stream from heaven afar, heavenly hosts sing, alleluia, Christ the Savior is born, Christ the Savior is born. Well, I think that verse 2 of this carol follows very nicely in Luke chapter 2 in the verses that continue. So let's read together. Today in the the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this, this will be assigned to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone in uh, into heaven. The, sh- the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. Friends, the news that the angels spoke and sang of that night in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Friends, that is what Christmas is all about. It is the celebration of the reality that God the Father sent God the Son to save me and you from our sins. That a Savior has been sent into the world and He is the Lord. He is the Anointed One. He is the Master. He is the King. He indeed is the Creator of the whole world. And yet in His humility, He added humanity to His divinity so that He could be our Savior. D.A. Carson writes, if God had perceived that our greatest need was economic, well, he would have sent us an economist. If, if he had perceived that our greatest need was entertainment, he would have sent us a comedian or an artist. If God had perceived that our greatest need was political stability, well, he would have sent us a politician. If he had perceived that our greatest need was health'... He would have sent us a doctor, but, Carson writes, he perceived that our greatest need involved our sin, our alienation from him, our profound rebellion, our death. And he sent us a Savior. But that begs the question, if Jesus Christ was born to be our Savior, well, what is he to save us from? How is he our Savior? Well, simply put, friends. Christ came to save us from our sin problem, from our sin problem. See, to sin simply is an act or a thought or an impulse that is contrary to God's character or his revealed word. Literally, the word means to miss the mark, to miss the mark. Now, I don't know if any of you enjoy a good game of darts uh, every now and then. Uh, I enjoy a game of darts, and so think of a dartboard, if you will, right? There are uh, circles, and the smallest circle on the dartboard is in the middle, right? And uh, I don't know much about darts, but I know that that is the goal, right? You want to get the dart in the center of the board. And to miss the mark, if you will, to miss the center of the board, well, biblically speaking, that is to sin. You miss the The goal, you miss the mark. Friends, God's standard for us to be with him for all eternity in his heaven is nothing short of perfection. It is nothing short than his holiness. It is never, ever once in our life to miss the mark. It's sort of like playing darts every single moment of your entire life and never once missing the middle. Friends, that is an impossible task. It is an impossible thing to do. And friends, living a perfect life, living a perfectly holy life that is acceptable to God, well, that is impossible for me and you as well. But friends, the good news of Christmas is that it was not impossible for God's incarnate Son. It was not impossible for the Son of God, for He did it for us. He lived the perfect life of obedience that we utterly lacked, and as our Savior, as we know, the story continues in the Gospels. He went on to die on a cross for our sins, paying the the penalty that we deserve, so that we could then, upon our faith and trust in Him, be with Him forever. And so, friends, may I humbly ask: Is Christ your Savior tonight? Well, the. Wonderful carol concludes in verse 3. It closes by returning our focus once again to the birth of Christ, but specifically to the person of Christ. That is, who is this baby born in a manger? Well, the carol continues. Silent night, holy night. And then it tells us who this baby is. Son of God loves pure light. Radiant beams from Thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. I love that last line. Jesus is Lord at his birth. So here in verse 3, we see many things about Jesus. The, the first thing we see is that he is called the, the very Son of God. Friends, this brings to mind the angel Gabriel in his conversation with Mary found in Luke chapter 1. Verse 35, as the angel tells Mary, the Holy Spirit, he says, will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. The carol reminds us of this fundamental yet essential biblical truth that Jesus is the eternal Son of the Father. He is equal to God in His divinity. He fully reveals who the Father is and He has been sent by the Father into the world to be our Savior. It is a title that strongly affirms that He is both man and God. But the carol continues, Son of God, and what's the next line? Well, it it asserts that and that he is love's pure light. And I think that, that this carol, uh, reminds us of, of, of scriptures from John chapter one, specifically verses four through nine. As John writes about the incarnation, the birth of Jesus, he says these words. He likens Jesus to both light and life. Verse four, in him, John writes, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. Verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. See, friends, because Jesus is the, the Son of God, because He is the light of the world, because He comes, as the carol says, He brings redeeming grace. Well, then the song ends so appropriately. Who, who is this child? Well, He is Lord. He is King. He is Lord at thy birth. So i want to close this little sermonette by saying that the Jesus that was born on Christmas. The Jesus that was born on Christmas night. Friends, we know the rest of the story, do we not? That is, to some degree, the, the beginning of the story of his earthly life. But it continues. And we can read about the life and the ministry and the death and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus in the gospel. See, friends, Christmas is, is merely the beginning, right? This, this babe who was born to us. Well, he grew up. And he grew up to be a man. And he grew up to die on a cross for my sins and for your sins. And so I wonder, friends, if you know this Christ. I want to leave us with a a question that is posed to us by uh, Bob Deffenbaugh. He says this, I fear the babe in the manger is far less threatening than the Christ of the later Gospels, who condemns sin and who speaks of faith in his blood. The baby in the manger is sweet and cuddly and controllable the baby in the manger is a kind of god in the box a god whom we're comfortable to approach to think about even to worship he writes but the christ hanging on the cross is not a pretty picture he is no he is not he is not one to whom we are drawn who who evokes warm fuzzy feelings many have made much too much he writes of the babe in the manger well because this is the kind of god they wish to serve a God who is, disp- who is weak, who is, who is helpless, who, who needs us, rather than a God who is sovereign and demands our obedience, our worship, our all. And then he closes with a question that I'd like to leave you with. What, what kind of God do you serve, my friend? He writes. What is the Christ like whom you worship? I'd like to show you a quick video. This song, Silent Night, has a fantastic Uh, a rather amazing providential story of how it came to be. And so we'll watch this short video and then the worship team will invite you to stand and we'll close our service by singing Silent Night together.